Well, hey, everybody. Welcome yeah, back. Uh, we are on episode number 21 of the Dan Time Podcast, and this is your your Christmas episode. It'll be coming out Christmas Eve, and I really couldn't think of a better guest for this occasion. I'm so happy we could line this up. Uh, today's guest is from episode 8, Dan Kabelka. I'm very happy to be pronouncing his name correctly today. <laughs> um, if you haven't heard the first episode, I would recommend jumping off of this one. Go back and listen to episode one with or part one with Dan, and then come back to this one, and you'll get the full background. Dan Kabelka launched the Challenger Baseball Program for uh, special needs individuals in Chatham, Kent, Ontario, Canada, over 30 years ago. And has it just has a remarkable life story and um, impact in his community. I, I really don't know that you could quantify it, uh, what he's been able to do. Some people get a new lease on life one time around. He's actually had two heart transplants and a, a brain tumor removed and um, has just made it his life's work to impact other people, and particularly those on the margins, uh, as as you might say. But um, so I'm just thrilled to have Dan here. We're going to talk a little bit about the spirit of Christmas uh, on the eve of Christmas here, and we're going to have some fun as well at the end of the episode. I guess it was the part that we had stopped recording. Dan and I got to talking about fantasy football, and I had no idea. So I it was then where I said, Dan, we have to do, <laughs> we got to do a a follow up episode where we do a little fantasy football talk. And he's also got some research for me that we'll get into, um, a good trivia question for you guys to um, see if you can rack your brains, uh, a football-related trivia question. Without, you know, you know me, I can talk another few minutes. So I'm going to pump the brakes and introduce and welcome back Dan Kabelka. Thanks for being here, Dan. Thank you very much. Just want to show your listener, your viewers, my shirt. As Dan said, I've had a bit of a medical history, and I've had two heart transplants, and I've been living with a donated heart for 35 years now, and three years ago, I had to have a brain tumor, and the next time I went up to London to get my checkup, they said, Dan, you're, you're a cockroach. We just can't kill you. They said, when nuclear war happens, it's you and the cockroaches get to repopulate the earth, and I said, it's worth a shirt, because <laughs> people, you know, people get shirts, and they say the beat goes on, or same body rebuilt motor and i thought this was a better uh symbol of my journey was um, the cockroach they just can't get rid of me so i had my first transplant in 1989 and my second one in 2000. now because christmas is coming up i have a christmas story for you christmas of 1981 i was 26 and i was taken from my hometown here in chatham up to london ontario where they have uh, a coronary care unit and they checked me over and i knew i was really really sick in fact they, they told my parents that i might not make the night and they told me i was in grave condition but over the public and the the speakers in the coronary care unit they were playing christmas carols and to this day whenever i hear ann murray singing a silent night it just reminds me i'm still alive and that's what those christmas carols mean to me and i'm a sucker that's that's a great memory um yeah. and with, with it being christmas eve um do you, do you always go back to that occasion? Uh, I'm sure it's not always pleasant to think of that night, 
Um, was that? Let me just ask you: that day in 1981, yeah. were you feeling okay during the day, and then? Um... Oh, oh no! I'd been getting sick for quite some time. Okay. I was, I was in congestive heart failure. Um, as a way of explaining it to your viewers, imagine you start blowing air into a balloon, and the balloon gets bigger, and as it gets bigger, it gets weaker, so it can't take the pressure, so it gets bigger and weaker. And once that process uh, starts, there's not a whole lot they can do for it. My only option was a transplant. So that, that's, that's the uh, Reader's Digest version of congestive heart failure. Because pretty soon your body just cannot function well enough to stay alive. And the worst thing is your kidneys kind of shut down and you start taking on fluid. And, and that, I think, was the worst part and one thing they had to do. But, you know, I'm still here 35 years later, so we'll take it. Um, another thing that we touched on and we really didn't explore on the first episode was your nursing home ministry. And um, are you um, still involved there? I am as involved as COVID will let me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's some nursing homes here that are still down. I go in, I have to wear a mask in one nursing home. Uh, it's tiring to wear that mask, but, you know, that's a mission, so you, you do it. And we've been doing, uh, I've been doing Christmas, or nursing home ministry now for uh, all over 10 years. So and I just want to mention, if I kind of stop talking, it's because the brain injury, sometimes words just don't come, and I have to fish around in my brain for another word. So that's what happens if, if I pause, and it just doesn't seem to make sense. And last week I was talking to someone from my church, and I wanted to say, that's a beautiful nativity scene. I couldn't come up with a nativity scene. So I used the word crash. And they had no idea what that was. So, so if I stutter a little bit, that's why. Well, that, that's quite all right with me and with my viewers as well, I'm sure. Um, another thing, another quote that I made a note of from the first episode, and this just um, kind of speaks to the cards that you're dealt in life. Uh, make it work. Remember, yes. you shared a quick anecdote on that. Make it work. Most everybody has some situation going on. Um, it, it may appear sometimes as we're passing through our days and we're at the grocery store and we're in public and, well, look at that guy. He looks, you know, like he's got everything going on. He's, look at that lady getting out of that nice car and um, they don't look like they have problems. Everybody's got some situation but you've really had to make it work for almost 40 years or over 40 years are there some days where you get a little down sometimes and you have to draw on some uh reserves i won't lie there's Mm -hmm. i get up some mornings and i look at all those medications and it reminds me that i'm mortal (laughs) and sometimes i don't even want to look at them And, and you go through periods and almost everyone or almost everyone who has a heart transplant goes through severe depression. Sooner or later, it's going to happen. And when I'm contacted by other recipients for advice, uh, one of the things they say is your social work is being paid, use it or him. So, and yeah, those days happen. Yeah. Then we kind of talked a little bit about sports and, and uh, some, some baseball mm-hmm. talk and football. Mm-hmm. Fantasy sports, people on the outside kind of think it's it's a joke. It's it's something that grown men do that um, is maybe more designed for a 10-year-old. But it's, it really is something to sink your teeth into and have some fun with and the drafting and the free agents. Yeah. And I, Let me just ask, how are you doing this year? I, you know what? You win some, you lose some. That's just <laughs> fantasy sports. 
And it, you don't like to complain, but in one of my leagues, my three quarterbacks were Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, and Kirk Cousins. <laughs> hey, for those so, of you who don't keep up all the time, uh, those are pretty top-tier quarterbacks who all have just so happened to <laughs> sustain injuries in the regular season. Yeah. And then during that nightmare that happened a few weeks ago, my opponent had Devontae Adams when Las Vegas beat uh, uh, the Los Angeles uh, Chargers. And it's kind of a bad way to lose. And you say the other guy's team just gave up. And basically the Chargers just gave up that night. And so he made some pay on that one. And those are things you can't control. So you just don't get upset about it. I was thinking about people who pay to play. And my suggestion is just, I'll give you my email address and you can send me the money. <laughs> because you have no control over what happens. Yeah. Fantasy sports, whether it's baseball, basketball, football, it's kind of a, a crapshoot. I mean, mm. we I look at our standings, our league standings. We've had some of the same guys for, and well, we've we've moved in a couple new players, but for we've been going about fifteen years. And you'll look at like I'm in last place this year, and I've been playing since two thousand five. And then yeah. I look at some guys that are in third and fourth place, and I remember the draft because we do a live draft, and they made okay, some yeah. ridiculous picks. And odd rounds, they drafted a kicker in the fifth, you know, stuff like that. And they, here they are locking up the third, the number three seed in the playoffs. Sure. And it just things happen, but it's part of the fun, I think. I, I, I started yeah, I out 0-4 with, uh, I think I had Saquon Barkley hurt. I, I had my top running back and top receiver, Cooper Cup. I believe they were both injured to start the year. Yes. Um. The guys who draft the kicker in the fifth round, we call them guys who didn't show up for the draft. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that's how they got a kicker. They just didn't show up for the draft and they got who they got. Yeah. So, but, but I've also learned you can really build your team throughout the year. If, if you're smart and you know how to use, like I picked up, uh, and you know the names, Kyron Williams and Rashad White up there. Right. Off the waiver wire. And so you got to keep your eye out for those guys. Have you been playing with the same group of people? Or do you have different leagues that you get into? Well, I get in different leagues because of different settings. Mm-hmm. But I have one league I've been in for over 20 years. And kind of like the baseball program I ran, uh, after a while, it's not about fantasy football. It's about the guys, the yeah. relationships. And I've been to Atlanta to visit a couple of friends from, the, the, uh, from our league. And they've been up here. And, and that was a, a real bonus, was getting to know those guys. And uh, I wrote set down a little note for, for, for fantasy, especially the Yahoo folks. Don't ever post on the message board when you're drunk, stoned, or angry. <laughs> and if you notice the message boards this year, if you're drunk, stoned, or angry, you can't find the message board. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. we have a traveling trophy. It's a shadow box trophy that the winner's name is okay. engraved in it every year. So we just play for that. There's there's no uh, money at stake, yeah. and and we have fun with it. But it's it's competitive. Uh, I would sure like to be doing a lot better than uh, I did this year with uh, ten losses. I'm I'm in the consolation bracket. So we actually, when you get into the consolation bracket, all of our managers are still active because you want you don't want to finish last. Now you're fighting to mm-hmm. not finish last because we have a. Uh, used to have a loser's trophy. Uh, okay. 
we kind of done away with now that, the, and now it's just a designation that. You... Yeah. Now, if you finish last, you get first pick next year. <laughs> I wish it worked that way. That's how we do it. That's how we do it. And I play in a keeper league, and I play interesting format. Uh, it's a team league, so my team this weekend is the uh, the Lions. So I'll have the all the Lions. That's my team. And the opponent, whoever he has, that's his team. But you're just playing team against team. And it's really a cool format. But you quickly learn passing touchdowns that were 12 in a team league, but running touchdowns that were six. So you kind of go for the quarterback that's going to throw the most touchdowns. But that's a, a matter of the first rule of fantasy sports is learn the rules right. of your league. That's the most important thing is know your setting. Damn, when I was uh, a teenager, I, I guess I was maybe 14 or 15, rotisserie baseball. That was, I guess, what started mm-hmm. all of this. And I found out about a rotisserie baseball league in the back of a magazine. This was bit, probably the early 90s or mid-90s. Yeah. And it was so much fun to conduct business that way in a league where there was a voicemail box where you could put in your waiver re- request. Okay. You got... All right. A, uh, a packet in the mail every week or two with the updated standings. It was all <laughs> paper and mail. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, there was a salary cap, and it was so exciting. I played a couple years of my teenage years until, you know, you start driving and you your interests yeah. uh, move around a little bit. But did you have a league? Are you, are you saying your interest turned to girls? Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, one, one from, of our players. One of the, he's 16 years old. He's on a cruise. He's he's changing his lineup while he's on a cruise. He's 16. I said you should be out looking at the girl. Right. Come on. Uh, you know, my first baseball league was it, it, like your magazine. It was the back of a, a newspaper, London Free Press, and you picked your team. But once you mail it in, that's your team. You can't make changes. And there was like 80,000 people. And one week I was in first place out of 80,000 people. And then Benicio Santiago broke his arm. What a great catcher. I, uh, oh, yeah. I just, Dan, I love sports talk in general um, with people who've been around a while because a name will pop out like that. Benito Santiago. I had his baseball cards. I still remember his throws to second. And he's a great defensive catcher and pretty decent offensively, too. I want to say he. Yep. At least a one or two time All Star. Yes. In, in our league, one of my leagues, we have we we call it the Doctor John Award. That's when you bench some guy who scores four touchdowns, and you say, "I was in the wrong place at the right time." <laughs> so if 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 you now you have to solve report those awards. Yeah. A few weeks ago, it was it O'Donnell for Las Vegas with four touchdowns? I guarantee you, nobody started him. So they get the award for being in the wrong place at the right time. What about as far as just uh, the NFL, the playoff picture? Do you have a a team? That, are you a Lions fan? Are you? Um... Uh, I'm a Lions fan. Mm-hmm. I'm a Lions fan. Who, what what players are you following? Do you have guys that you root for? Uh, Sam Laporta, mm-hmm. tight end for the Lions, rookie, really impressed. And Jim Gibbs. And if the Detroit Lions coaches are listening, they always do pretty against running quarterbacks. So they'll get as far as Philly, and then Jamal or Hurts will kill them. So I, I don't think this is their year. Baltimore looks solid. San Francisco, I think, has probably got to be the favorite. They're the most solid team. You know, they have no weaknesses. 
Yeah, the uh, Baltimore Ravens, that's my favorite football team in the NFL. Right. This year is kind of unique where my best friend, who's he's been on the podcast, Jim Powell, mm. is a Cleveland mm. Browns fan. Oh, good Lord. For whatever reason, maybe because I've been talking about the guy, he's had to hear me talk about him for over 10 or 12 years, Joe Flacco. Uh, he can't, he, he just doesn't like Flacco and I can't pin him down to give me a good answer why. And okay, when Flacco got, um, it, you know, invited to the practice squad and found himself starting against the Rams, uh, Jim just didn't know, he just had no explanation. And, and I kept asking him, Hey, listen, we got to watch some games now. This is my favorite player yep. on your favorite team. All right. And he's still not comfortable with it, but I got to say personally, I love what Joe's out there doing. Um, he's he's showing people. There's 32 teams, and 31 of them um, didn't have a place for him, and and now there's they, they actually tried to make a play for him a couple weeks ago or last week when he was on the back on the practice squad. Sure. Procedurally. Yeah. Well, if there's one guy I like to watch from the current NFL, it would be Debo Samuel. Yeah. Because he, he does everything and does everything really well. You know, he blocks. He They can run him out of the wildcat, and he catches well, and he can pass if he has to. So I, I just enjoy watching him play. Although my all-time favorite to watch is Barry Sanders. Yeah. Because when he got the ball, you just didn't know what was going to happen, but it was going to be good. So he, he's worth the – he's someone I'd pay to watch play. Well, you had a trivia question for me, and I'll let you right. ask it for the listeners. Cause... All right. There is a Hall of Fame Super Bowl winning coach, and his grandparents are from my county, uh, Chatham Kent, and his grandfather was a minister at Union Baptist, and uh, his father is Canadian by birth, his mother isn't, and he's in the Hall of Fame. And there's the question because we not a, not a lot of people around here, you know, know this fact. And uh, for your listeners, it's, it's Tony Dungy. His grandfather was Albert Dungy. He was the head pastor at a Union Baptist Church in, in uh, Dresden. This is not very far from here. So, great little trivia question. Yeah, I, I have another one for you. Okay, yeah, go ahead. I really want to talk about the Underground Railroad. So, here we go. Yeah. Famous. He's a good actor, not a great actor. Probably the most famous person in the world. And his great, great, great grandparents came to Canada the Underground Road and they settled in Nova Scotia. A little, they call Africaville. And one of their great, great, great descendants was a professional wrestler. And his name is Rocky Johnson. So you know who Rocky Johnson's son is? Um, hmm. The Rock. The, I was about to say Dwayne Johnson, Johnson, and I was thinking, is he old enough, Dwayne Johnson? Yeah. Yeah, he's from Nova Scotia, or his parents are from Nova Scotia. You know, and they came, they crossed the border right after the American Revolution uh, to get away from the slavery. Well, I uh, I enjoyed doing some research on Marianne Shad. Yes. And I uh, understand she's got a, a bronze statue mm-hmm. that they um, unveiled a few years ago in, in Buxton. Is that right? That's correct. That's correct. Um, just the distinction of. Well, I guess it was her father that brought the family, and this is a lot of kids. She's the oldest of 13, mm-hmm. um, to southern Ontario after the Fugitive Slave Act. 
the Fugitive Slave Act was passed in 1850. Mm-hmm. And um, just remark, it's always remarkable when I'm reading about historical figures, especially African Americans back then, who, you know, were, were able to enter politics or enter these professions where if they had just been in Tennessee or Alabama or North Carolina, it'd just be, would no, be no chance yeah. for them to have a life like this. And you knew, you know that there were plenty of uh, creatives and intellectuals in the Deep South, and uh, it, it just saddens me to, to know that, that they were there and they just didn't have the opportunity. But getting back to Marianne Shad, um, she was the, the first the first black woman publisher in, in all of North America. Is that right? Right. Yeah. And uh, I I don't re- recall her, her brother's name, but this really surprised me. He actually is, he, one of her brothers moved down to Mississippi mm-hmm. and became, uh, was elected to the state house, I think, and, and then served as speaker of the house, Mississippi in the mm-hmm. 18... Uh, 1870s, I think. Yeah. Um, and then um, the oh. the publication, the Provincial Freeman. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But but yeah. Um. Sh- so, Marianne Shad and her family, they were, were responsible. I mean, who knows how many fugitive slaves they were able to bring to freedom through the Underground Railroad. Actually, she started a school on Buxton. And the education at her school was so good that the, the white folks in Chatham, the middle class, the middle class folks, sent their kids out to be educated by her. That's, that's how sterling that uh, her education was, or what she taught. And don't forget, in the 1800s, if you were a woman, you were not going to get published, or not under your, your female name. Right. And, and one of my favorite songwriters is a woman named Fanny Crosby. She wrote 8,000 hymns, but she couldn't publish in her own name. So she had to publish by pseudonym. And... I can name some of her songs, and your folks who go to church would know these songs. They're just very simple songs. And, but that's just the way it was back then. Um, well, that's something. I'm glad that you you put that name out to me and said, Dan, um, you know, you'll enjoy doing some research here because we didn't touch on it much on the first, um, I'll call it Dan Kabelka Part 1, that um, Chatham has such a rich culture or a rich history it is becoming a settlement for African-Americans in the, the late 19th century. Yeah. And the other, another thing about Chatham, this isn't one of our more sterling moments. If you're here, you'll notice there's a lot of Japanese names. And there's a reason for that is because we had an internment camp just south of Chatham. Hmm. And they, they brought the, uh, the Japanese were moved in from the coast. They had a little camp outside Chatham. I didn't know that until a few years ago myself. Well, but as a nation, we kind of said, you know, we shouldn't have done that. Yeah. As a nation. Yeah. Well, you've just through our connection, um, I definitely want to visit the area. Mm-hmm. And we, I can't put a date on it, but I know there will be a time where you and I can connect and sure. slap hands and uh, break bread and go. Uh, and you could show me around town. Well, you put um, Jack Miner's Bird Sanctuary on your list of things to do. It's world famous. It's right around Leamington, Ontario. And for some reason, the birds know where to fly, and it's a sanctuary. So 
sometimes in the fall that you can't see the ground for the geese. And it's a very, very famous bird sanctuary and, and, and like an animal place. Well, Dan, let's talk a little bit about Christmas and um, the spirit of Christmas. What are some things that sure. you uh, like to do around this time of year? Are you are you out there stringing the lights and um, doing the yard stuff, or, or what is your? I, I see. Okay, my... I, I live in an apartment. I live in an apartment, so. Oh, okay. Stringing the lights. Um, the one thing I do, uh, I do the Salvation Army Catholic, mm-hmm. and I love it. And they said, Dan, they found your perfect job. So you hand out candy to people and you talk to them. And I said, yep. And, and, and it just, to me and, and for your listeners, uh, you could be on the other side of that kettle very quickly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Everybody has a story. And when I was coaching the, the kids in the Challenger baseball, there's a couple of young 12, 13-year-old boys on their bikes outside the fence making fun of them. And I went over and I said, boys, you like those bikes? And they said, yeah. And I said, one slip on the bike and you're on the other side of the fence. That's all it would take. Yeah. And then, and then I invited them out onto the field to meet the players. But people have to know, Southern Ontario and Canada is not unlike the United States. And we are having a real crisis with homelessness right now. And that's kind of where my heart is. And when people will question whether they should be homeless or whatever, I say, buy them a coffee, hear their story, because everybody has a story, you know. Yeah. And we actually have people who have jobs that are, are living on the streets, and that's a sad statement. But uh, mm-hmm. I will say our our county is very good about uh, helping out the homeless and getting them on the right track. Uh, we can give them food, but we can't make an apartment out of nowhere. So that, that's the first step. Right. So, But we're just like any other country in terms of the homelessness issues. And uh, it saddens me, but we do what we can. Yeah, I uh, purposefully selected a, a downtown church for our family uh, mm-hmm. to begin attending January of this year, so almost almost a full calendar year. I didn't grow up going to church. Uh, I didn't attend church or seek out a church in my bachelor years. And, um, you know, when our family was complete, we went a couple times before Vivian was born, but um, I just, it was something that I wanted to get us involved in, but it had to be the right place. Um, yeah, absolutely. and so our church, as soon as we open the doors and there's a, every few Sundays, I volunteer with the guest services, but sure. there's anywhere from eight, 10 or 15 or so of, of the area homeless that will come in, grab some coffee uh, a good many of them will grab the coffee and go on their way, and that's no big deal. And uh, a few no, of them will stay no. for the service. But I like that that our service, when you walk in, you've got the people who are dressed well, they smell nice, mm-hmm. they look nice, and then you got this mm-hmm. guy over here that has been wearing the same pair of clothes for a couple weeks or longer. And that's important to me. I don't want to go to a church where it's um, you know it's just all people that are. Uh, Smiling and glittering and uh, and pulling yeah. up in, in similar SUVs. I don't need that. Um, I need to be a little closer to the people. So we, I, I I like that you mentioned that. People just need to see that the the folks who are struggling don't have a place to live. Like you said, uh, maybe even working. 
and getting paid every week or two and still don't have a place to live. You need to lay eyes on these people. Mm-hmm. You, you need to get out of your um, your area sometimes and um, just, like I said, be aware um, that they're there and, and help. Yeah. Just, it's, it is a huge problem all over the place, but there's always little ways that you can help, and sometimes that may just be smiling at them, putting your hand on a shoulder. I try to do that as we're leaving. Just I'll put my hand on a mm-hmm. guy's shoulder, just sure. acknowledging him. Some of these people don't yeah. get acknowledged. They don't get, um, well, I could go on, but I appreciate you bringing well, that up. And there's a story about a young fellow who committed to a church, and he was dirty and smelly and hair was a mess. And he sat in the front, and he really enjoyed the service. And on the way out, one of the elders grabbed him, and the elders got the black seat, you know, the red tie, the white shirt. And he says, son, I want you to go home and pray to God as to what's the appropriate wear for this church. Kid goes home, comes back, a week dirtier, a week smellier, hair's a bit worse. And as he's leaving, the elder says to him, did you do what I asked you to do? Did you go home and pray to God as what's appropriate attire, attire for this church? And the young fellow says, I did, but God said he wouldn't know because he's never been here. <laughs> and that's struck me, you know. And I, I like to have a, a church with different cultures as well because Christianity fits into a different culture. And to go to the church with everybody's the same. And as we're talking about the baseball program, you have to be used to being around people that aren't just like you. That's really important. And some people aren't. And that's just the way it is. Yeah, I I, uh, went back and listened to our episode. I usually don't listen to Mm -hmm. the old ones once I've recorded them, but but I wanted to brush up on, on ours. And I remember you saying that with your volunteers. You said, hey, listen, I appreciate you wanting to get involved in the program here. Make sure you're okay with working hand-to-hand with someone who's not, didn't grow up like you did. Yeah. Yeah. Or has uh, challenges that you don't face. Yeah. I was thinking when you emailed me, some of the traditions we used to have, I'm wondering if you have the same, had the same ones growing up. So... Our living room was full of Christmas cards, hundreds. And people just don't do that anymore. Now, maybe you do. But I think back to those hundreds of cards, and it reminds you of how many friends you have. Yeah. Which is really nice. And we always got the real Christmas tree. And you may, in Alabama or wherever you were, you may not have twigged onto this little tradition. But everybody threw their trees out. We would take them in the park and make forts, and then we could have snowball fights. <laughs> so it was one of our little Christmas traditions. Yeah. You know, I, I was fortunate to grow up in a very close-knit neighborhood. And that really helped. And uh, whenever I, I meet my friends from back then, we just reminisce about how great it was growing up in that little street. The different goofy things we did. So. We moved around a lot when I was young, up until third grade. And so I I remember being like I'd be in second grade and I would miss my friends from first grade. You know, we moved from oh, yeah. Chicago, oh, yeah. Chicago to Northern Virginia to Florence, Alabama. That was a culture shock. Mm-hmm. Then to Birmingham, and yeah. So and then in Birmingham, it, it was nice, but we didn't have the kids down the street. It was. Our house was a little more isolated, as far, or there just weren't as many kids our age in the neighborhood. 
But I do remember my mother had, she always had Christmas music playing. And there's this really? ca- cassette tape that still survives. And so I've got it now, and it's about 40 years old. And it's um, country music artists performing some of the uh, classic songs. Uh, Hark the Herald, Angels Sing, uh, Holy Night. Oh, Holy Night, and um, Silent Night, Winter Wonderland. So you've got Shed Atkins, Willie Nelson. Sure. um, Tammy Wynette. So I've played it a few times. I don't think that my kids are really, they're not grabbing onto it. I put it on last night, and Warren said, hey, can we watch my cartoons now? (laughs) But yeah, there's always candles lit, the the music playing, the live tree. Uh, we We don't have a live tree this year. But, um, man, we'd go out and my dad would take us to a Christmas tree farm. We'd cut one down and had that whole experience with the hot chocolate and the oh, wagon yeah, ride. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the live Christmas tree place you, in, in our area, um, during the summer, it's a nudist colony. So, <laughs> where'd you get your tree? Oh, we're to the nudist colony. <laughs> I said, I hope they weren't closed when you got out there in December. I said, yeah. And um, my father was a first-class stationary engineer. But his singular talent was picking up the worst tree on the lot. <laughs> so we would spend hours after we got home trying to hide all the bear spots. <laughs> that was a bit of our tradition as well. And um, this is up culturally, your listeners may not kind of twig onto this, but it's kind of a growing up thing for us. If I got all my friends from the neighborhood together and I said cars, they'd all run to the side of the road because we played road hockey. That was the big thing. And if a car comes around, you say cars, and everybody gets off. And then, and that was that was a big deal for us. And if I said cars to my friends, they just jumped to the side of the road because that was part of our Christmas day growing up was playing road hockey. And uh, do you have any of those uh, kids from? From way back that you still keep in touch with or exchange cards oh yes absolutely mm-hmm. um where i grew up it was like a circle and maybe a third of a mile around and i think at one time we may have had 100 kids on that street and we had our own school and a little street was called rl parkway and we have a saying wherever we go in the world we're going to be somebody with a connection to rl parkway and when my ex and i were on our honeymoon and PEI, we signed in a guest book, and all of a sudden we hear, who is Memorial Parkway? And it was from some of my neighbors from when I was growing up. So I said, "Hun, wherever we go in the world, we're going to meet somebody with a Memorial Parkway connection. And we and we had our own school, a little four-room schoolhouse. Dan, as always, I just enjoy these conversations. I, I know we're, so this one is two months removed from the last one. Mm-hmm. There's going to have to be a part three part four we're just going to have um a series of dan kabelka episodes until someone says yeah you guys got to cut it out but uh i i hope everyone is enjoying our newly formed friendship a friendship excuse me you're the first guest north of the border uh, really first mm-hmm. international guest i've got a uh, an australian guest coming up in a week okay. or two i've had uh, a musician from the uk and so right. that's really important for me to to bring people in touch with folks that are well out of their backyard. Um, yeah. that that's that's cool for me. Uh, we've had uh, several female guests this month. Um, planning to have a few more. So this is a, a big net. It's easy to forget when you and I are talking right now. 
that the whole world gets to hear it. Right. I've done I've done radio interviews. Like I remind myself, watch the language because everybody can hear you. And it's easy to forget when you're in a small studio. Yeah. I've got. So some... there's uh... oh. Go ahead. No, I was going to say I do have um, some listeners from different parts of the world, and um, okay. that really brings me special joy to present a show for someone where they get to hear two guys talking or me talking to, uh, like I said, one of our female guests. And you just get to hear a conversation that you don't maybe get to hear at your local coffee shop and not that you should be eaves- yeah. eavesdropping. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, hopefully that's the, the, uh, the value. Sometimes when with my friend in the, in, and I got to explain Tim Hortons to you. That's our coffee chain up here. It's like your version, of, our version of Krispy Kreme. And he played, Tim Horton played hockey for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And he started this donut franchise. And there's like Chatham's 45,000 people. There's 11 Tim Hortons franchises in Chatham. <laughs> like we tell them, it's like a virus, Tim Hortons virus, once he gets in there. And if you ever meet anybody from Canada again, just tell me you like the Tim Hortons coffee. And uh, no, I, I went to a Krispy Kreme with my friend in Atlanta. And my first thought was, where's the tables? Because Tim Hortons is famous because they have the tables. And Tim Horton realized people wanted to sit down and, and gabble over their coffee. Yep. And that's why it was success. That's why it was success. We think of it as like the chat on Facebook. That's where you get all the gossip. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Dan, anything else you want to add? I forgot to ask, What are you in the playoffs in your fantasy football league? If, if they already... oh, yeah, I've got a second in play in my uh, keeper league. Uh, I'm in... I finished second, so I'm probably in the first place team, third place team this week. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Because it's a keeper league, I may keep somebody who maybe is going to play this year mm-hmm. that's going to contribute next year. So, uh, and uh, just getting back to the the fantasy football for a sec, I have what I, I, my friends and I call the Le'Veon Bell rule. Never pick a running back who held out the year before because they always have trouble. <laughs> And the woods are full. I'm thinking like Austin Eckler this year. Or Delvin Cook went from an all-star to backup in New York. Yeah. You know, so if we have somebody like I traded away Jonathan Taylor this year because I knew he was going to have a lot of injuries because he held out. So this little things that, you know, the axioms, if you will, that I've kind of picked up over the year. What do you think of the, uh, the quarterback situation in Pittsburgh? Um, I know Roethlisberger is understandably not very happy about what's been going on since he stepped away. But I think are they, they're using uh, Mason... Rudolph? Uh, is it Mason Rudolph? Yeah. Yep. I think that kid's got some promise. Well, anytime you have to rely on Mitch Trubisky, <laughs> that's going to be a problem. In fact, I don't even heard of the guy who's starting for the Chargers tonight. And I have a friend who I talk football with, and we both agree there's been some really awful football this year. Yeah, and if it wasn't for fantasy football, I would not be watching Las Vegas or or a team like that because I've had a, a player. But there's been some real, and a lot of it is because of my opinion is they're using a lot of backup quarterbacks. Yeah, I've heard it's I've, guys getting hurt, and it really has affected. Yeah, it really has affected. I mean, I had Justin Jefferson in my. Uh, well, as soon as Kirk Cousins got hurt, the value was going to go down. But there are games I watch just because my players at it. They're just to me they're unwatchable. So right. And um, I want to put out a little a request for Yahoo, if that's okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, Yahoo Fantasy Football Gods. 
or managers. Man, that's where we, we play on Yahoo. Team, okay, and you'll identify with it. Every team needs to have four NA positions, and anybody who is on an, uh, a bye week gets an NA designation. So they can you can keep them on your team. And I've been in a situation where I, I basically forfeited a game because I didn't want to drop one of my better players. And we call that the, the strategic loss. And, and we, that's just experience. You learn those things. I'm looking at some of the... Way I, okay, go ahead. No, I was uh, looking at some of the offensive stats leaders right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, you look at some of the names just at quarterback. Hard to believe that Brady's gone. Breeze. Um, yeah. Well, Manning's been a few years. Yeah. Philip Rivers. Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, all these guys. It was kind of nice. I think it was um, going back to Flacco when he started against the Rams. He had Flacco opposite Matt Stafford. And I think those yeah. those guys were separated by a year as far as their draft year, 08 and 09. Mm-hmm. And to see both of them still starting yeah. in the NFL I think it's good to have uh, at least a couple of the old dogs still left and, oh. and, and, and playing well, not just out there uh, making a mess of themselves. So uh, yeah. it's good for the and league. The idea is um, what you call consistent production you can count on this year. And one player who's killing me is Tony Pollard. Mm-hmm. Because some games they just don't give him the ball. And, and he's, not been, he's not been a consistent producer of fantasy points. Because you get, you know, like I said, you got to count on the guy who's who's going to be consistent game week, week in and week out. Do you have a? Um, you prepare to make a Super Bowl prediction as far as matchup? This is for my nephew. This is my nephew. I think it's going to be San Francisco. They're just solid. Yeah, they're just solid. And Brock Purdy is not going to say, "Get on my back, boys! I'm going to carry you." But he gets the ball to the people who can make the plays. It would be and fun to see, uh, you know, if we saw a, a Ravens 49ers rematch. Uh, yeah. This would be, yeah, it was the 2013 Super Bowl. It's, all, it's always the, the 20, like that would have been the 2012 versions of those teams. So it's not quite a little bit more than 10 years later. That would be really cool. Um, well, I was around when um, the Cleveland Browns became the Baltimore Ravens. And the hand ringing, like that team was very important to Cleveland. And oh, to the, this day, uh, this yeah, I, well, oh, maybe in Indianapolis, or or a Baltimore moved to Indianapolis, and then they were without it. Baltimore was without a team for a while. Yeah. Um, I think, and I keep saying this, I think that Cleveland with their defense, um, I'm not ready to go out and say that they'll they will reach the AFC title game, but I will not be shocked if they, if Cleveland gets to the AFC championship game. Um, it, it's going to be fun to watch when you've got the, the number it's, one. Overall, Baltimore. Yeah. They, they, Baltimore. Have to go through, I'm sure of that. Yeah. You got to go to the Ravens. It's, it's like with the lions, if you got to go through the silver dome or the Ford field for all your games, the lions have a chance, but yeah. they don't do well outdoors. They do not do well against running quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson just killed them. Well, you probably watched that game. Yeah, yeah. And what? they were just helpless against him. And they played Justin Fields, and he really, you know, had an impact there too. What about? Do you have a prediction on Bill Belichick? Is he going to retire after this year? Do you see him? Could you picture him on the uh, yeah, sideline? 
I, I think he's going to retire. He's going to retire. He, he doesn't need this. Yeah. You know. Well, I noticed that a lot of the coaches that are away from his staff do not do well with their new teams. Yeah. They try to in institute the Belichick system, and they're not Bill, Bill Belichick. I mean, Matt Patricia just destroyed the Lions. Yeah. I mean, it was bad. I think it's like in the Chargers game, the team just quit on them. You know, they want to get rid of them, and that's unfortunate. Well, Dan, it has been a pleasure and I truly mean that. Sometimes I say this a lot on all the episodes. It's been so great talking to you. It's I so enjoy this. I've so been looking forward to this since we reconnected again. And uh, can't wait to uh, yeah. If we if we stay on track here, we'll do another episode in uh, say March. Sure. Um, um, we talk a little. Just one final thing for your viewers, and this really struck me the other day. God only made one race the human race love it and i the anti-semitism and the the vitriol towards the, the palestinians really saddens me it, it, it does yeah and so, someone told me that if you put a hundred black ants in a jar with a hundred red ants they will not fight each other but if you shake the jar they'll fight each other so maybe we should focus on the one who's shaking the jar yeah and and that's just something that's really been on my heart lately is there's, there's only one race the human race and if you want to find differences you will yeah I, I I see my small children especially my two-year-old in his preschool class and there's black kids and white kids and you know that their parents take them to different churches and mm -hmm. some may be Christians some may be Jews little kids and whether they're two or eight they don't argue about this stuff they don't make no. divisions over this stuff they play they yeah. have fun they and they realize okay i like we i get along with this guy better this girl better but they the kids children are not born to hate no um so hopefully we'll make some progress there um i'm so oh, glad I, you, saw, I, you said that well it, it's true and uh, I did a message once, a uh, Christmas message, about how the shepherds were actually children. And why would God announce the birth of his son to children? And I realized it's because the adults would have screwed it up. Yeah. So he had to tell the children because they wouldn't have messed it up. And there's a lot of truth to that. That's right. And, uh, and you will see as you, and I saw you got baptized, by the way, congratulations. Thanks, Dan. But as you continue in your walk in your faith, you are going to see there's divisions in the church too. Oh, yeah. It doesn't stop. <laughs> it doesn't stop there. No. And uh, by the way, those who complain all their lives in their church, when they get to the nursing home, they don't stop. I mean, that's just them. Yeah. All right. Well, what an episode. Can't wait for the next one. I hope you guys will be, right. will be eager for the next conversation, too. Remember, there's really no need. I, I do the remember thing at the end, but you've said it all, Dan. Only thing I could say is remember, if you're sitting here, it's Christmas Eve, and you don't have anybody to hold on to, you don't have a lot of presents under the tree, you don't have much money in your wallet, you you can still make a difference with somebody if you get out around your community. Just flash a smile, 
put your hand on a shoulder of somebody as you're going to get a cup of coffee or something. It'll make it really will make you feel better. So focus on the small stuff. Don't um, don't think that you're not important or you don't matter or someone might not benefit from crossing paths with you. So thank you, Dan. Thanks so much. And go ahead. And I'll let you have the last word. I was going to say just uh, remember I said earlier. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. And someone said, why can't they pull themselves up by the bootstraps? And I said, because they have no boots. All right. Well, uh, and, and remember, make it work. Yep. Always remember, make it work. Okay, Dan. Plan to talk to you again in the new year. Yeah, just let me know when. Okay, everyone. All right. Happy holidays. God bless everybody. And best best to everyone in 2024. Thanks for listening to the Dan Time Podcast. Take care, Dan. All right. God bless. All right. Bye-bye. All right. If you love that episode, if you're enjoying the Dan Time Podcast, be sure to download and subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can reach me at dantimepod at gmail.com. If you really want to connect with Dan Time through the week, visit any of the social media pages. I'm on X, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. You can't miss me. And if nothing else, as I've said before, just talk about the show. If you're having a good time with it, tell your friends about it. Send a text about it. I appreciate you as a listener. Hope you have a great week. I'll see you next Sunday.